1: Three, two, one, and we're back. or Rather, I should say, I am back. I'm doing a solo show today. Miss Julie had conflicting zooms, believe it or not. Or uh, since we've, uh, <laughs> since this time change happened, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. No reason you would be, but because we live in the Caribbean, we are actually. Um, there's a four hour difference between where we live in Atlantic standard time versus Pacific time. So we have been having an interesting week trying to get people to, you know, essentially change their schedules. But in any event, we are um, going to have all that fixed next week. In the meantime, you guys are stuck with me today, but I think you're going to be really glad that it just the two of us on this um, podcast, because I get to really drill down on one of my favorite topics. Now I'm going to set you guys up. With how i came about this is an appropriate topic for probably today and, and maybe tomorrow when julie's back on the show i have had a uh, meeting with a broker and the broker was um not with exp it was an independent broker with about 75 agents and they and we've had this long-standing relationship with them and they asked us to uh, do a presentation um, for helping agents get their mindset in gear because a lot of agents are sort of dragging themselves into the end of this year which of course is going to make it so they have really bad momentum going into the following year so I got to really thinking about, obviously, this is, a, you know, this is a motivational type question and something I enjoy talking about, and Julie, obviously, as well. And, uh, but I got to thinking about what a unique set of, a set of circumstances we have, truly unique <laughs> after the end of 2020, um, going into next year. There's so many more personal and you know sort of emotional and maybe in some cases, financial and physical, all these different, you know, we've all been tested so many different ways in the past almost 12 months. It's really extraordinary. And if you think about it, your your normal life, let's say, you know, whatever that is, and you think about how many times during your lifetime, let alone you know, a year, where you have this many stressful things happen. This has been an, an extraordinary year, so it's no wonder why so many agents and people in general are looking for permission, not, you know, maybe even in the formal sense permission to take a breath and say, listen, I just need a little downtime. I just need to catch my breath so I can basically go after it again next year. Um, And uh, yeah, and I think that makes sense. And a lot of us, if we don't take care of ourselves mentally and emotionally, obviously there won't be much left for us to do the other things that are matter that matter to us in life. But with that said, here's the problem with that is if you go too far down your rabbit hole, You're not going to come up in time and you're going to miss the market. And by that, I mean it just exactly as it means, literal sense, that the market this year, the market for 2021, your real estate year has effectively already started. What we're seeing are all indications that the momentum that that we felt sort of through late summer, yes, there's going to be a little reprieve around Thanksgiving. Yes, there's going to be a reprieve around the holidays, of course, but you're going to see the market take off like never before into next year. All indications are no matter who wins the president, who becomes the president? You're going to see housing become one of the I, guys like, I, it's hard for me to say this because we've been in, Julie and I have been in the real estate industry for 25 years and we've sold through and coached through bad markets, up markets. What we're, what we're about to experience is something truly extraordinary for all the reasons we've talked about in previous podcasts. Um, and I don't want to you know talk about that today, but the bottom line is, is if you think you've sold in a hot market before, get ready for the next five years, because it's going to really be extraordinary. Um, and Along with that, you have to understand that the agents that are making money, for the most part, for the, a large part, will be the same agents that continue to be successful. But there, what there is going to be a big uh, changing of the guard. There's, and it's not just an age thing necessarily either. This there's going to be a changing of guard away from people who have built their businesses based on really who you know, and it's going to start entering into a what you know market. And that's what's going to be truly extraordinary, as you know, for the agents that are willing to adapt and willing to change. And I, so the, the premise of this um, the Zoom motivational thing we're going to do for this broker is how do we get these agents to understand that we you know understand and appreciate the fact that they're coming off a very stressful year maybe more than they've ever experienced in their lives. And how do we get them at the same time to, you know, take some downtime, but not so much downtime that they lose all their momentum. And then they have to try to rebuild their momentum going into next year. The problem with doing that, which 99.9% of everyone does, right? They make their commitment to start at the gym, to lose the extra however many pounds when in the spring, in, you know, January 1st. Well, you know, I remember when Julie and I were going to Orange Theory, when we lived in Texas, we would see the, um, you know. The infl- inflow of all these new members that would start in January and they'd stick around through about February, March, sometimes April, The you know, and then the ones that were going to last, you'd see them after that and they, and they, and they wouldn't go away. But you're talking about going from maybe, you know, 50, hundred new people down to maybe five that actually lasted after 90 to 120 days. So if you know that's the the pattern that you normally follow, and most people normally follow that, and probably you're not going to be able to change that behavioral pattern, why don't you game it instead? And so... The, that's the idea behind starting your new year, the last quarter of the previous year, because then you can essentially have a lot of momentum and you won't you don't have to break your momentum. Because if you're starting your momentum in January when everyone else is trying to build momentum, you're actually going to make the job of essentially getting buyers and sellers to work with you 10 times as hard because they're being solicited by so many new agents. If you start now, it, you're going to find that the competition is actually less. I remember when Julie and I sold real estate. Um, there would, this is the time of year to have listings that'd be hard to sell in a normal market. If so, you have any oddball listings, maybe conditioner location ish, uh, uh, listings, you put them for sale this time of year and the buyers that are looking are the serious buyers. And that's when you sell inventory like this. Well, the same goes true with doing any kind of lead generation. If you're going, doing any of the proactive lead generation stuff that we teach you guys to do, this is the best time to do it because the, the least amount of noise, because all your competitors are what they're, you know, they're not working or they might be playing working. They're not actually doing the, the heavy lifting of real estate, the real work of real estate. They've taken the rest of the year off. So that's the difference between you know taking some time off, obviously, and catching your breath and taking too much time off that you lose the market. So I strongly encourage all of you to not take so much time that you basically have to figure out how to you know rebuild your momentum at the same time everyone else does because obviously you're going to increase your odds of failure because of the fact that you're going to have so much more um, competition Hopefully, intellectually, that makes sense to you. So what I wanted to talk with you guys about today and tomorrow is about how to really, you know, mindset, that's an interesting concept, right? Julie and I, everybody loves the mindset concept, right your mindset is how you think and the actions you take as a result but the fallacy in the mindset concept is that people have been taught and it's a it's part of the self improvement movement that started in the 70s and I won't bore you with the history of it but the gist of it is is that your mindset has to be a, a, you know set to a certain degree right a certain temperature a certain frequency in order for your actions to follow and what that that is a huge mistake because it's not true yes it is great if you have a powerful mindset prior to taking action But the reality of it is, is you don't need a powerful mindset uh, because the mindset will follow the actions. And that's a little hack that you guys should never forget. If you're not liking the way you're feeling and thinking, get into action. And as a result of that, your mindset will follow. So with that in mind, here's the concept I have for this uh, show and tomorrow's probably. How do you not just 10X or 5X, how do you 100X your mindset? And and here's the, the advanced concept for this. Like You guys have heard probably... Hopefully that the you, know, you invest in the stock market and on average the money is going to double every seven years. You put a hundred bucks in seven years from now, you invest it, in, you know the S and P 500 or whatever, and then it's going to be worth two hundred dollars. You know, uh, seven years after that, it's you know after having you know, put in a hundred that you know hundred is now seven years or fourteen years later is going to be worth four hundred. You guys get the concept. It's called compounding interest, right? Well, I thought to myself, that's a fascinating concept. I wonder how we can get that to intellectually, at least, apply to people's lives. What if we could make it so that we all set ourselves on course to basically, you know, double our the essentially our net worth, uh, but the quality of our life, all the things that matter to you. Can you figure out a way? And I think I've helped. I will walk you through this in a second to essentially increase the quality of your life, increase the financial freedom in your life, increase the nature of the relationships in your life, increase your physicality, increase all the things that matter, your spiritual relationships, increase all the things that matter to you. Can you maybe set a course to double those things every maybe five years, right? I mean, if we know you put your money in the stock market, historically, it'll double every seven years. Well, why can't you set course for your entire life? All the things that matter to you, like finances, obviously, to essentially uh, double every, you know, I'm not even talking intrinsically here either. I mean, in the literal sense to double every five years. So for example, um, if you for example wanted to get into really good shape you're not going to get you're going to get in great shape after if you stay with it for a year but five years you're going to be in, if you stayed with it you're going to be an obviously a heck of a lot different physicality you're you know, how you look how you feel everything's going to be different in five years so what if you were to start thinking in terms of how can you like your money in the stock market essentially you know have the benefits of compounding interest if you will and and have that apply to your life in all aspects of your life i think it's an interesting concept and I think that if you were to embrace that, if you at least intellectually understand it, or maybe just even put your finger in the water and say, okay, I get the concept, Tim. Now, how do we do it? That's hopefully what I'm going to help you with, guys. And I wrote down, I think I wrote down 12 points. Let me look. One, two, three, four. Yep, I wrote down 12 points. And so I'm going to go through these. and I'm going to give you guys examples. And then I want you to intellectualize them, uh, think about them. And when you're going through these points, I, of course, Julie and I like to be plainly spoken. We like to be direct. We like to be practical. We don't like to make things too obtuse. We want you to easily understand what we're saying. And then we want to tell you, we want to, you know, drill down and help you apply what we're saying so that you get immediate benefit from it, right? How about that? (laughs) There's a concept. So here's the first thing I wrote down. And again, here's the idea. How do you 100x, you know, essentially everything in your life? How do you essentially hit the hard reset on your life and all the categories that matter to you. Now, let's start out with identifying the the five categories of life. And some people will say there's more, but let's just keep it simple, right? There's physical, right? There's mental, there's financial, spiritual, and then there's family. Those are your five categories in life. So when you're thinking about goal setting, you're gonna be hypothetically setting goals up around each of those five categories. Now, this is a great time of year <laughs> for you to be, well, any time of year is a great time of year to be finishing your real estate treasure map. But this is the best time of year to be doing it. And what the real estate treasure map is, is to fill in the blank um, business and life plan. It's not for wimps. This is something that, and I always encourage families to do it together. You know, At least work with other people in your family so that you can be setting your goals along with your family's overriding goals. That's a great way to ensure that your accomplishment of goals will happen. For example, if you set the goal, you know, you're just going to sort of arbitrarily say this year I'm going to sell 25 houses and you're just going to do it and you're not going to, you know, sell your family on why you're working as hard as you're working and why you're toiling away nights and weekends and why you're making all these sacrifices and they see you as being selfish and maybe they become resentful and, you know, you might even create some stress and turmoil unnecessarily in your family. Because you didn't get them to understand the importance of the fact that these goals that you were setting for yourself was the benefit of everyone so you know that happens a lot right that's when people start realizing or thinking that they have to choose one financial success or you know marital bliss or whatever but the reality of it is is you can do both and one of the simplest things this is highly effective if you have children and you're again you're wanting to drill down you want to sell 25 houses this year you've done your tre- real estate treasure map you know 25 houses equals 300 thousand dollars or 500 thousand or whatever it is so you've got this goal you've got this plan you've created your plan And then the way you get buy-in from your family is you put a thermometer on the refrigerator or whatever, right? old Jerry Lewis telethon concept. And every time you sell a house, you get to mark off, you know, one of those little you know, sections getting to the top of the thermometer, which is essentially where you maybe spoil the family and take everyone to Disney World or whatever it is, right? So if you create a family goal, everyone's going to be pulling towards that goal. And it's not just you sort of autonomously doing your own thing um, despite the family, you know, and that's how you get everyone's buy-in on something. And But here's a flip side. So I warn you before you actually take this uh, suggestion, be very be careful because your kids, once they see that as a goal, you think uh, a coach can hold you accountable to doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Get a bunch of little kids uh, thinking that they're going to go to Disney World when mom or dad sells 25 houses and you're going to have your ass ridden 24-7 because if that thermometer is not getting colored in, those kids are going to realize they're not going to Disney World. So they're going to be saying, mom, what are you home for? No, no, no. Don't go to my soccer game. Go sell a house. I mean, again, that's a level of commitment that maybe not all of you want to embrace quite yet. So the first thing I wrote down is when you're wanting to take this seriously and you want to do a hard reset for your life and you want to really try to, you know, 10X, 100X, the quality of your life and all the most important and all those five categories. Oh, and by the way, you can get your free real estate treasure map by simply texting the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. And we're going to text you back a link to the free coaching program. And in the free coaching program, one of the guides we give you, oh yeah, for free is the real estate treasure map. So just text the word survival to 31996 and download that. And that is your real estate treasure map. Sorry for not mentioning that uh, a second ago. So number one, here's what I'll suggest all of you guys do urgently. And this first one, I'm I'm, frankly, I put the hardest one first. Okay. So the first one is do a complete mental and emotional cleanse, (laughs) right? And no, this does not require long trips to the bathroom and a bunch of stuff you'd rather not drink, right? Like a normal cleanse. So do a complete, well, maybe it does. I don't know, you know, maybe it does. But do a complete mental and emotional cleanse. And here's the best way to do it. Um, And this first one, this is so incredibly powerful if you take this seriously. Live a media-free life. Media-free Completely media-free. I know that we're all you know, being told that we have to somehow be hyper-sensitive and attentive to all the Mickey Mouse that's coming out of politics and blah, blah, blah. No, you don't. It doesn't do you any good to know any of that. Matter of fact, it makes you feel scared. It makes you feel tribal. It makes you feel all these bad feelings. There are no good emotions that come from paying attention to anything in the news. It hasn't always been like that. But it's been like that for so long. I don't even remember when it wasn't. Maybe what? I, I honestly I don't. Maybe back in the '70s when I was just a little kid, and a lot of you guys were too, right? That's maybe when all the news was this crap that it is nowadays. It's just propaganda. It's not even news anymore. It's just propaganda, and that includes the paper. Yo, Tim, hold on. I watch Fox, and they have they don't. They're, yes, they are. They're propagandists. Oh no, CNN. Then nope, propagandists completely purge all that from your life. I know it's the hardest thing to do because everybody, it seems, is addicted to it. That means you're going to have to remove the news apps from your phone. That means you're going to have to remove anything and everything that's trying to grab your attention and get you to be fearful because that is the dominant emotion you'll fear feel when you're tuned in to media. Have you not noticed that? Now, media-free goes deeper than that. I want you to consider giving up. Uh-oh, ready for this? <laughs> Long-time listeners, you know what I'm going to say. Purge yourself from all the social networking garbage. Now, if you feel, which I frankly don't strongly agree with you, but if you feel you need social networking for your business, then why don't you think about delegating that to somebody so you can at least have a clear mindset? Because again, social networking is designed to be an echo chamber of whatever's in the news. It's just essentially media more media and more media, and your brain is constantly getting a little dopamine hit every time it feels it, it, it hears bad news. And by the way, humans like bad news—psychological fact—more than good news because we are hardwired to seek bad news. Because bad news, and you know, when you're talking about caveman, you know, keeps you alive. So when you're walking along, I heard somebody explain it this way. I thought it was really hilarious. So when you're walking along a path, right? And you're wearing your loin cloth, cloth and carrying your you know your your bat, right? You, you, this is not this is no time recently. You guys getting my point here? This is back in the caveman era, right? And you're coming, you're crossing somebody who's coming from the opposite direction. You're not gonna ask them for good news. You're gonna ask them if there's anything that they came across when they're walking towards you that you need to be mindful of that might, you know, try to eat you, right? So that is our, our seeking bad news is a way that humans have stayed alive because we then pass along the information to, you know, the other people are passing along the path and now we're, you know, speaking, you know, in terms of just life in general to share, well, these are the things that you might want to look now. That's how our brains are hardwired. The news knows that. The media knows that. The media knows that you have a lizard brain reaction to news. It wants more news. It wants bad news because that's what you want. And every time you hear bad news, then you get this little chemical relation in your brain. You don't feel it. unless it's really bad news, but it is there and you're addicted to it. Everyone's addicted to it. And here's the only way to know you're addicted to it is when you stop actually consuming it. As soon as you stop consuming it, you will find that you'll go through withdrawal. Okay. So I'm in front, Julie and I are in New York City. We're in Manhattan. We're speaking in front of a group at Douglas Ellman. Great agents, great brokerage, great environment. Just everything was wonderful. There was a lady sitting in the front, um, and we were talking about media-free. And we were talking about the concept of media-free. Because if your mind – here's the concept, by the way. If you then stop the polluting of your mind and your mindset, if you want to call it that, from media in general, just completely purge it, what you're then going to do is you're going to go through stages of withdrawal. It will fill – physically threatening to you. You will be scared because you will feel that somehow you don't have that pertinent piece of information that you otherwise would have that somehow would have kept you alive. Your lizard brain has become addicted to the bad news. Just accept that concept. Mine has yours has everyone has. That's just how we are, right? It's evolution right there in front of you. Now this gal in front of me, you know, in this front row, she was um, wagging her head. No, no, no. Doesn't agree. Okay. Well, I can't avoid that, you know, opportunity to, um, have a little bit of conflicting conversation in front of a crowd. And I wanted to help her. I didn't want to argue with her. I wanted to coach her. And so Julie and I, because we're real estate coaches, we asked her, I, we see you, don't dis- you, you disagree with what we're saying. Why? And she actually gave me a really good answer. And she, if I remember correctly, was from Israel, and she was, um, you know, her mindset was well. Obviously, in Israel, where she lived, there was a fear of, you know, um, different safety issues, and she was raised always to pay attention. And but the news in Israel was probably markedly different than the propaganda that we have here. I don't know, but I'm assuming. And you know, then she also then she uh, uh, implied that essentially, if she were to um, unplug from local media, and I thought this was very fascinating, that she felt that somehow she wasn't doing her civic duty to be aware of what was going on in the world. I conceptually understand that. She was probably my age or a little bit older. That's how I was raised. I was raised. She was raised. Um, maybe with the heightened sense of it, because she was from Israel, that you have to be, and you have a civic duty to be aware of what's around you. And again, conceptually, it makes sense to me. But here's where the rubber meets the road. News itself has changed. It's now propaganda. It's not like a, what it was. So what we're doing is we're giving this entity, this thing called media, we're giving it this, um, you know, a, a set of our a, a section in our psyche that they no longer deserve. They've taken advantage of it. They don't deserve to have a permanent space of respect in our minds, and we need to free ourselves from it and completely purge ourselves from it. Purge yourself from social media, because for the most part, it's the same thing. There's been all kinds of proof, not research or theories, but proof that social media... Is the master at manipulating all your weakest parts of being human, all the subconscious elements of these lizard brain elements from everywhere? How you interface with it, how you swipe, how you um, everything—all that stuff is insidious. It is designed to keep you beholden. It is designed to keep you addicted. It's designed to compete with essentially—it's it, they're attention grabbing. So whatever it's going to take, um, and to get you to look at facebook or to get you to look at twitter to get you to look at instagram to get you to look at the news get you to look at this the other thing all these different entities are pulling at you constantly and you've gotten used to it. You wonder why you have an attention span of a gnat on crack. That's why. Because you have been manipulated to believe, and they're taking advantage that you believe, that you know that we're raised to believe, that news matters and that you should pay attention. It's your civic duty to do so. And so what they're doing is they're competing with your, your attention by giving you the worst news possible because they know that that is what we want. You guys understanding? So, if you are wondering, where's my time go? Where do my years go? Where is my life gone? It's because you have allowed yourself to be tracked into, you know, trapped in these vortexes of media and you have not yet unplugged yourself. It's very matrixy, if you can think about it using that movie reference, right? It's really what it is. So, your best way to take the blue pill, I think the blue pill is the one that sets you free. It might be the red pill, but one of those. It's your job to take the pill that sets you free and the way for you to substantiate that what I'm suggesting to you is real, that you do have a media addiction and it is completely ruining your potentiality, is set yourself free from it, unplug from it, purge yourself from it. You know, there's something that's taken off in the country called a... sober october which i really like a lot of coaching clients um a lot of you guys uh are doing that i think it's a great idea right no alcohol nothing you know that's going to alter your your mental um you know marijuana and retina for october and i hear from everybody how much more productive they are i hear from everybody how much better they can work out how their relationships change how they can think more, more clearly how they can get more done how they enjoy life more how they're more present they're not dulling their senses, and that's the same thing media does. It dulls your senses, and it drives you underneath the underneath the staircase, and you're living a smaller and smaller life, right? You guys, at least intellectually, you notice how I always go back to that word intellectual, because intellectual, where you actually think and you're not thinking emotionally, that's where these you know media types and these people that are gra- trying to grab your attention, they can't live there. They can't get you there because the way that they manipulate you through is fear and fear is emotional. So if you start thinking intellectually and you allow yourself to build that muscle, then you'll start becoming very tuned in to all the things around you that are ruining your potential. And remember, the theme here of what I'm trying to help you guys understand is you truly can you know, like compounding interest, double, triple, quadruple what you're experiencing in life in all the most important categories. So my first, strongest, and hardest to do <laughs> suggestion is to definitely go media free, right? Hopefully, I You guys understand. Now, again, back to complete mental and emotional cleanse. We talked about media free. We talked about social media. Now here's the next one, and this one's easier to said than done. I told you guys, point number one was uh, the hardest point, and it is the next one. Be very careful. Whom you let into your head, and that includes family, friends, etc. The biggest well-intentioned destroyers of your potential, the biggest well-intentioned destroyers of your potential, are your friends and your family. I want you to think about that. That is incredibly hard to accept. I can tell you personal stories, but all of you probably, to some degree or another, can relate. And so here's what happens: You want to improve yourself. You want to get your, you know, your act together in in a way that, because you know. That your purpose on this planet is more than the life you're living, more than the contribution that you're making, more than the relationships you have, more than the financial, you know, existence that you're experiencing. You know, you have more potential than what you've ever exhibited before, and yet you're not. And so, what happens is, if you surround yourself, um, and this is virtually through who you listen or what you listen to and what you read, you know, tapping on uh, media there again. And your friends, what they're going to do is if they're not operating at the same wavelength as you of wanting to change, of wanting to improve, of wanting to get more out of life, they're going to pull you back down. They're not going to reinforce your improving. They're going to reinforce you staying the same. That's how all of us are. And it's not our fault. It's not human's fault. They act, we act that way. Why do we act that way? Because we're tribal by nature. Because tribes is how we survived tribes when you have a group of people together as a tribe the probability if attacked is going that they will all survive because there's more of you know humans in one place defending the tribe you know is greater than if you are on you're there by yourself so what happens is if again i i'm trying to explain to you that when you're in a situation where your friends and your family members aren't supporting the idea that you're going to uh, move past your sort of mooring lines, your emotional things that are, you know, tethering you to the shore, you're going to see that they resent you. They give you all this emotional stuff. And what I've seen a lot of people do is they just basically are unforgiving of those people's lack of elasticity and they burn bridges. And you should not do that. Just understand what you're making, what's happening in their subconscious minds is fear that the tribe, the thing that gives them a sense of security is changing because you want to change. And if you don't handle that correctly, you'll lose friends. Now, with that said, some friends are worth losing, right? If they then become destructive because they have such a um, an unhinged attachment to the fear of something changing, that something being you, and they're going to be detrimental to the path you want to go on. You have to change. You have to upgrade your friends. You have to upgrade you know, your environment. And we're going to talk about that in a second. You have to move forward. Otherwise, you're going to stay the same. At least you're you're not going to ever tap your potential. And, and guys, look, this can come in the form of moving. This can come in the form of, look, you don't have to you know send out a message to all your friends and saying, I'm no longer your friend because you think too small. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is you recognize the influence and if, if you can't even do it consciously, maybe you can't recognize the fact that your, you know, your brother or your mother are actually, you know, you can't consciously pick up the fact that they're doing and saying things that are curbing the, you know, the pointy end off what, what otherwise would have been your potential. So, so you consciously, you're not picking that up, but what I want you to do is I want you to assume that everyone's having an impact on you in ways you can't ne- necessarily consciously fathom. So start metering your exposure to them when you're going, when you're trying to go through this, your own metamorphosis, right? Start maybe being conscious of how you feel when you're around certain people. Your feelings are your ultimate barometer um, and they can work for you or they can work against you. Okay. So when you're around somebody, how do they make you feel? Do they make you feel small and tight and stressed? And do they make you feel like, like just fearful? Okay. You know, that's what happens to a lot of people as they get older, they get fearful, they start living smaller lives, they start inflicting or uh, affecting other people in that same way. They do it subconsciously. They do it because again, all the reasons I've already stated. So you have to ask yourself if you're wondering whether you want more of this person in your life, or less of this person in your life. How does it make you feel when you're listening to this podcast? How do I make you feel? How does Julie and I's book make you feel when you read it? How does you guys get the point? Does it make you feel empowered and optimistic and excited? Does it make you feel a little bit scared cuz maybe you're, you know, tapping, you know, on some potential things. You're going, oh my gosh, he's right. Julie's right. I actually can do more with my life. And next thing, you know, makes you a little scared because you're not sure what your next steps are. That's good. I'm not talking about that kind of fear. I'm talking about the kind of fear of even having the thoughts in the first place. So monitor how you feel. That is your barometer. If you're around somebody that makes you feel good, makes you feel optimistic, makes you sort of come more in tune with the fact that life is an amazing gift, That you're all, you know, that all of us are all blessed. We are. We're all truly lucky to be on this planet at this time, sharing this airwaves, you know, this digital format together, breathing this air together. We're all incredibly blessed to be on this planet at the same time. We are. So, are you around people that are making you feel that way, or making you feel resentful, making you feel like you know you need to basically uh, get ready for some kind of you know conflict? Are you that right? less of the people that make you feel small, less of the people that make you feel fearful, more of the people that are uplifting to you. That is the barometer that you need to gather, that you need to be monitoring. And when you come across somebody Again, it's usually the long-standing relationships and you're, you're sort of monitoring, like you're just paying attention. I'm talking to, you know, my Uncle Bob, like I've always talked to my Uncle Bob, but now I'm starting to feel my Uncle Bob is starting to make me feel it. And I do have an Uncle Bob and Uncle Bob, if you're listening, I'm not actually thinking of you personally, okay? So actually, I'm going to change it. <laughs> Uncle Gary, which I don't have. So if you're talking to Uncle Gary and you're realizing that Uncle Gary, when you talk to him... You know, maybe the conversation starts out in a certain way because you've known him all your life, but now you're starting to feel fearful. Maybe Gary is starting to say things and maybe it's affecting you in a subconscious ways that you're from that relationship or that conversation with Gary, you don't walk away thinking you need to, you know, go and try to knock on a door and take an expired listing. You guys get my point? So does someone uplift you or does someone, you know, down, someone pulling you down or holding you static? and understand that most people are not going to ever reinforce you changing because it is a threat to the very thing that makes them feel secure and that is essentially this you know innate tribal nature that we have in all of us. So I hope you guys intellectually intellectually understand that. All right, next point under do a complete mental and emotional cleanse. Um, so far, it was media-free. Stop all social media. Be very careful who you would allow into your, you know, your mind. Um, here's the next one: be con- constantly feed your brain with information for people you seek to be like. Have mentors uh, in your head at all times. Now, th- that's another interesting little concept, and I, it goes back to Napoleon Hill um, in his book. Which, by the way, you get a copy of uh, Think and Grow Rich for real estate when you join the free coaching program. And the copy of Think and Grow Rich is in that, right? That's part of that book. And he talks about essentially having mentors in your life, real or imaginary. And so if you've read a book, I think he actually used the example of Abraham Lincoln, right? If you um, have Abraham Lincoln as a uh, example for you of how you're supposed to think and act under certain circumstances, you can then tap. You can go in your mind. and Maybe you've read a few books about Abraham Lincoln, so you know kind of how he thinks. At least, you know, you, you understand intellectually how he works through problems and challenges he experienced in his own life. And you liked how he, despite the fact that, you know, essentially the country was being ripped apart. And it was civil war and all these horrible things were happening despite all of that, he was able to stay true to a North Star that was even beyond his own life, right? That's kind of amazing. That's a good person to have as an internal mentor, don't you think, <laughs> right? So if you're in a point of conflict, maybe you can go in your mind and have a mastermind conversation, is what Napoleon Hill calls it, with Abraham Lincoln. Or maybe you're gonna have a mastermind conversation with you know differing people in your life and or not real or imaginary. So you can kind of go through your life. You don't have to have living mentors You don't actually have to know these people personally to have them as mentors in your life. And some of you guys are so gracious in the wonderful things you guys say about Julie and I and, you know, 400 five-star reviews on our book on Harris Rules. And a lot of you guys talk about this podcast and other things that you've um, you've participated in that we've created, and you guys have. We have a mentor relationship, don't we? You guys will go to Julie and I, and when you're trying to face down a situation of what should you be doing in your business to be successful, you have often said you'll hear Julie and I's voice in your head of what not to do, right? What actions to do, and that becomes your north star for making decisions. So for that little sliver of your life, Julie and I, for many of you, have filled that you know mentorship role, and that is you know I have similar people in my life that are like that too most of the people now, let me think about this yes i actually i'm going to say I'll, maybe but maybe two or three of all the people that i go to when i'm trying to make decisions when i'm trying to think big there uh i only know maybe i to say realistically two people that i can actually reach out to about some things for the most part when i'm working th- through things in life i read books i i sort of go through my mental uh you know Conversations that I have based on the biographies that I've uh, read about, like when I'm thinking about products for our business, I think I think about all the Steve Jobs books I've read. And I think about some of the things that Steve Jobs said. I'm, when I'm thinking about investing, or I'm thinking about life, or I'm thinking about you know whether I'm being pragmatic enough, I think about Charlie Munger. You know, I think he's amazing and Warren Buffett's partner, or you know those types of things. You guys get it? So I'll read books about them. I'll read quotes. I'll listen to them being interviewed. I don't know them. I'll probably never meet them, but they are giving me advice. They are my mastermind for certain sets of situations and questions and conundrums. And you can do that same thing for physical. You can do that same thing for spiritual. You could do that same thing for all aspects of your life. That is the power of essentially realizing, especially in this day and age where you have podcasts. And where you have you know youtube videos and you have you know prager you and you have all these amazing people that are giving their information away for free you don't need to go to college or university you don't need to do all the things that we institutionally had to do or we're institutionalized into believing we had to do you can go and seek your information out yourself you don't have to wait for someone to maybe luckily pop in your life that's somehow going to answer a question when you have a question or a challenge in your life you can then go to that magic thing called Google, and you can enter in the question, and then you can start seeking the answers to your question. You of course know all of this, but the challenge is is making sure you're being very careful who you're listening to, who you're actually inputting, taking information from. And so for that next point, I want you, for the next point, I want you to remember, it's up to you to be incredibly discerning who you dis, who you decide is going to be a mentor or who's going to be someone that's worthy of giving you advice. You have to be incredibly particular. And so the next point I wrote down is if, and I use, you know, we talk about financial stuff a lot because obviously we're real estate and business coaches. So if you're, you know, financial is a big aspect of the reason you guys hire us, if not the number one aspect. So Financial, I am not ever going to seek advice from somebody that's not probably 10x uh, better off financially than we are. And that's hard to come by. And that's the reason I listen to Charlie Munger. That's the reason I listen to Warren Buffett. I have to go outside of my own world to find the advice of people um, that I frankly will allow to have an impact on how I think. And I am incredibly particular. Now, if someone wants to give me advice, unsolicited especially, I'll be respectful And I'll nod my head, but unless I know for a fact that they're worthy of me listening to, they have nothing to offer me. That's how rigid I am. So do not tell me how to do something unless you've actually done it at an incredibly high level yourself for a long period of time and all market conditions. Now, this is really bad in the coaching and training industry because there are no criteria to call yourself a coach or a trainer, are there? No, there's not. There's nothing, right? And so you have so many people in the real estate coaching and training industry. And some of you get mad when I coach Bash. I never coach Bash by name, but it is important that you know that you have to protect yourself Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to start listening to somebody that's never actually sold real estate. Or if they sold real estate, they didn't sell real estate at a high level, 100 to 200 homes per year. Or if they sold real estate at a high level, they didn't do it for a long period of time. They didn't do it in changing market conditions. They didn't do it in different price ranges. In other words, you are not being selective enough on who you're listening to. And what happens is when you do that, you've then allowed somebody into your brain It's going to affect how you think, which will obviously affect the results that you get. And you can lose years doing that. That's what happens. And some of you are coming on the other end of that conversation with yourselves. After having spent years thinking about things, spending money and effort on things that you're now realizing doesn't really get you the result that it was promised to get. And I'm going to pick on one I love picking on, branding. How how many of you have spent countless hours and dollars working on your brand? Now, I'm going to prove to you right now and I, I thought about this this morning. I had this little, you know, blinding strike of the obvious here. Um, you know, EXP Realty. You guys know, well, should know that Julie and I are involved with EXP Realty. We have coaching and training clients, you know, most parts of the world at this point, but prominently in the United States. And, you know, EXP is in South Africa and they're in France, they're in Portugal, they're in Canada. Obviously, the United States, they're expanding to Mexico and all these other places. So EXP is going to be a big global company, which is incredibly exciting. Exciting. But here's the interesting thought. How many of you have ever seen a consumer facing EXP um, advertisement, right? Where EXP corporate is paying for the ad. Have you ever seen one? Nope. You never have, right? So the brand EXP doesn't matter. And yet it's the fastest growing real estate brokerage in the history of history. The brand itself, EXP Realty, doesn't matter for the sake of. Now, does EXP advertise to agents? Nope. It does not. So if you think about branding, how it's being sold to agents, what you guys are believing is frankly, pretty close to a lie, not a hundred percent lie, but a 95% lie. The lie is that you have to have some brand in order for people to want to do business with you. But what they're really trying to convince you of, and if you're really honest with yourself, this is what you find appealing about the idea of buying branding is you think it's going to shortcut. The time it takes for you to have a reputation, a good reputation. That's what you're being sold to believe, sold into believing uh, that you will get when you do branding. You do enough of this, you do enough of the, you know, the branding where you brand yourself with your dog or whatever, that you're somehow going to uh, shortcut what only can happen from, you know, frankly, years of being successfully helping other people accomplish their goals to real estate transactions, and it's like I said, 95% of a lie. And here's what happens is you look at the most successful agents in the country. And by successful, I mean all the criteria I just said, been in the business for a long time, been successful for a long time, sold in all different market conditions. They have a brand, but their brand came from long-term levels of doing what they didn't want to do and they didn't want to do at the highest level. It came from long-term levels of helping other people accomplishing their goals. So their brand... You ready for it? Here's the epiphany. Hopefully all of you will have. It used to be called in the olden days, reputation. That is what you guys need to have a reputation for being somebody that solves people's problems. The only way you get that is guess what? Not by spending money on pretty postcards and branding, you get it by having actually helped a lot of other people buy or sell real estate and solve their problems, which is the need to facilitate a real estate transaction. That's really, truly what's going on. And yet, agents spend all this money on branding. And then you spend all this money count for years and years and years on branding. You might even have people say, I saw your fill in the blank. you know, I saw your billboard, or I saw your bus bench, or I saw your urinal cake. And yes, I've seen agents that are branding on urinal cakes. And if you're a lady (laughs) and you don't know what a urinal cake is, it is a a little uh, puck that goes to the bottom of a, a urinal and the agent's branding is right there on the urinal or it's some sort of other atrocity that I won't even go into. The moral of the story is, is agents actually think that that is going to get them business. Now you might have somebody say, I saw your bus bench. But that's ultimately when you go through it and you look at the reasons where where your business comes from, you'll determine quickly that after maybe two or three, four years, most of your business, 50% is going to come from past clients. The rest is going to come from proactive lead generation. And you might get the occasional, you know, Lead from branding, but what you're gonna at when you actually put pen to paper and you figure out what that actual lead cost you, it was an incredibly crappy return on investment because you spent all this money working on your brand. And as soon as you get that little spark, oh, Julie, I saw your bus bench, you're like, oh my gosh, my branding's working. And see, that's the ultimate problem with a lot of these ideas that you guys are believing. Um, is that they don't work and you don't know how to hold them accountable to working. What we tell all of our coaching clients, we talk about this in Harris Rules, if you cannot, and I personally will suggest at least a 10x, I like it when people challenge me on that, say they don't do things unless they're getting a 20x, spend a dollar, get $20 in in return. I like that thinking. That's called profit-minded thinking. Um, But if you cannot, whoever you're thinking about doing business with, and they cannot tell you, you will get a return of investment of X percent within X amount of time. And X amount of time should be no more than 90 days. Then don't do it because you're being sold into a gimmick. Because what happens is, and this is what's happened you know, forever when agents are being sold malarkey, is that they start you know, going down this path, spending all this money. Then they have so much money invested in doing these gimmicks, right? And then they're afraid to stop. Because psychologically, they've already committed to it. And they don't want to stop. And maybe they got a little ego hit every time someone says they see their urinal cake or whatever. So they keep on doing it. They keep on thinking it's going to work. And when they have this little you know, occasional moment of clarity, usually around tax time, and they uh, then call up said branding company or any of these companies. I'm picking on branding because, frankly, it's the easiest one to pick on. And they say, well, why am I not getting a better return on investment? What do these companies tell you? Every single one of them. They say, well, you know what? You just aren't doing enough of it and you haven't done it for long enough. So their answer is, is you have to spend more money. And you really think by spending more money, you're going to get a different result? You really think that's the way life works? That's the reason in our book, in our coaching program, we tell you guys to do not be, you know, Don't be detracted or distracted from the bright, shiny objects. Anything that is being sold to you on the idea that it's going to be a shiny object that's going to solve your problem of proactive lead generation and being a proactive, you know. pre-qualifier and really doing the real work of real estate, those things are always gimmicks. They're playing into your innate desire to shortcut what it takes to truly be successful. And they are essentially stealing your potentiality. But now that you've heard me say what I've said, and many of you have heard us say this billions of times before, um, even if you don't totally agree, the problem is once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And so what I've done is I've set a little bit of wisdom, a planted seed in your brain, and you're all of a sudden going to start being a lot more cautious who you listen to and where you spend your money. Because remember, guys, one – If you look at agents, you know who you deem to be successful and you look essentially what they've done to be successful. You'll find that a lot of them occasionally have grabbed at these shiny objects, but the thing that got them to where they are are the things that we teach you in this coaching program, the things we teach you in premier coaching program, and the only things we'll ever teach you in premier coaching. Now, the last point for the first point, and remember the first point was do a complete mental and emotional cleanse. The last point was is focus, follow one uh, course until successful. And again, be very, you know, very, very careful about the course you choose. Um, and if you find yourself um, at the end of this year, going into next year, realizing that maybe you've uh, been doing things that won't get you the results you hope that they would, you have to give yourself permission to quit doing them. And that includes, maybe you're with a broker that's not the broker that you wanna be with going into the future, or a marketing idea, or any of these other things, right? you need to give yourself permission to quit doing them. There's an old saying, I don't know who said it, but I love it. There's a difference between quitting and quitting while you're ahead, right? And so if you can quit doing the thing that's not working and give yourself permission to not have that in your life anymore, free up that cash flow, frankly, to do something else with it as in investing the money and you know, producing what's gonna be an upcoming point with regards to wealth, right? Building you know, uh, essentially passive income for yourself, we'll talk about that. But when you start removing these impediments, to your emotional, and you know, frankly, your, your, your mental and emotional um, you know, state, if you start realizing that what I'm saying is within your control, and none of these things are mindset points. I'm not telling you to read a bunch of books. I'm not telling you to work on your dream board. I'm not telling you to do all these sort of outside-of-you activities. Those things are more getting ready to get started, mental masturbation type stuff. It has a place, but the real way to get things done quicker is the way that they teach you in the military the way that they teach you when you're becoming a Navy SEAL or a Delta Force operator, the way they teach you when you're going to become a world-class athlete, world-class at anything, your emotional state follows your actions. You know, uh, when you want to learn how to be an incredible, I'm not remembering his name, the Olympic swimmer. Um, I don't remember his name. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's won all those gold medals, right? So he had to show up every single day at the pool at like 4.30 a.m., and in, in these interviews I read about him, he said he never felt like doing it, but he did it anyway. And so he was always with the same coach, always you know following the same regimen, always doing the same thing every single day. His life was just basically a hamster wheel, but the output was gold medals. Seems like it was worth it, right? And so he had, what, three or four gold medals. He was being seen on Time Magazine. And you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? And so this most you know hugely incredible successful da da da. What does he do? He fires his coach. It's <laughs> true story. And then what happens is he comes off the rails. He decides he doesn't want to go to the pool anymore at 4:30 a.m. He doesn't want to start. Uh, doesn't want to continue doing what he didn't want to do when he didn't want to do it at the highest level. Starts. I think he got arrested for marijuana possession. All these other things start happening in his life. And and then he st- he went to the Olympics and he didn't win. Or he didn't even qualify, something like that. So what does he do? He realizes that if he wants continual levels of ever-increasing success in his life, he has to do what he doesn't want to do when he doesn't want to do it at the highest level. And he needs to actually keep his mental and emotional state absolutely cleansed. He hired his coach back. Now, I saw a video. You guys can find these videos too. Of him swimming in the pool. And the coach shows up every day at 4.30 a.m., watches him swim in the pool, watches videos of him swimming in the pool, watches videos of him jumping, watching, you know, into the pool. Can you imagine how boring that is to watch? Imagine from the coach's perspective, right? But what the coach does is he looks for little micro-infractions, little tiny, tiny, tiny things that he's not doing right that he can prove upon Maybe, you know, 2 weeks ago he was doing it this way and he was like a 10th faster uh, you know jumping off the board than he is today cuz he changed this tiny 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 little thing about how he's going about things. You guys get it? That's the point. He realized that that's what it takes for him to ever have ever increasing levels of success. Not just more gold medals, guys, but essentially self-satisfaction, a, pur- a meaning of purpose. And you can imagine when you're on a mission like that and you're trying to keep yourself at this heightened state for your entire life and which you can, there's nothing that says you cannot, you know, a lot of people innately believe, I'll go to a Warren Buffett uh, quote, right? Warren Buffett once said, America loves to celebrate the comeback story. I just told you one about the swimmer, right? Success, 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 failure, Come, you know, and then he came back. So people like that story. But Warren Buffett said, I, you know, America loves to celebrate the comeback story. I like to celebrate the guy who made it, guy or gal who made it and never lost it. And that's how I feel too. Why do you have to experience uh, incremental levels of improvement. Why do you have to experience incremental levels of forward momentum? Why do you think that that's normal? It's not. You can increase every aspect of your life, improve every aspect of your life every single year. There's no reason why you have to slow down. Obviously, physicality changes. You get older. Maybe your priorities change. You know, which is probably a good time for me. So there's, you know, distinctly five areas of life to set goals in. Here's the thing where people get derailed on this. They think have, they have to have equal emphasis on each of those categories of goals, right? Mental, educational, see, educational, physical, spiritual, financial, and family. Oh, I'm so proud of myself when I get all those right. <laughs> anyway, so you have those five categories of life, right? You do not have to have equal uh, emphasis on each of those categories because as you progress through life your focus will change. So if you're listening to me now, chances are you have yet to make your fortune in real estate. Chances are you're on your way to make your fortunes in real estate, or chances are you're just bored and you came across this, you know, crazy podcast and you're, you know, I'm helping you kill an hour, right? Whatever it is. But the moral of the story is is that you do not have to suffer for booms and busts in your life in any aspect of your life. You can improve every year on all categories of life, but in differing levels of intensity, depending on what the category is. So right now, probably your focus is financial. And as such, it makes sense that there's going to be another aspect of your life that maybe is neglected. Now, I will caution you that if you neglect other aspects of your life too much, you might end up accomplishing your financial goal, but you might not have the health or the familial relationships and it might not, you'll basically destruct yourself. So I gave you a suggestion earlier how to basically set familial goals that will align yourself with the financial goals. You can do the same thing when it comes to physical goals, which is, you know, a lot of fun too. So think about these things, but give yourself permission to be out of balance because balance is a myth. I'm going to say it again. Balance is a myth. You're never going to be in balance ever, ever, ever. So stop trying to be in balance. That's one of those. um, That's another one of those things that when you're going through your, your mental Rolodex, remember I said mental and emotional cleanse. Some of you guys are having issues uh, essentially mentally and emotionally because you're fighting for this mythical thing called balance, give yourself permission to be out of balance but maybe for 2021, pick maybe two or three categories where you're going to you know, reprioritize. Like maybe you're going to refocus or really drill down on financial. Maybe you're tired of you know, being where you are financially. Maybe you're ready to upgrade everything. You're ready to go to the next level. You're going to finish your real estate treasure map, which we're going to give you free when you text the word survival to 31996. You are locked in, ready to go. You are downrange. You are frosty. You understanding what I'm saying? But maybe on the other end of it, Spiritual is not something that you're going to be able to spend a lot of time on. Give yourself permission to have more of an intense focus on certain aspects of your life than others. And then as you progress through life, what will happen is the financial thing will become less Important because you will have essentially checked that box. You'll have had, you'll have accumulated enough money that creates enough passive income for yourself that money then becomes something you don't have to worry about anymore. In other words, you are our definition of rich. Rich is where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. And maybe then you want to go back and revisit spiritual. But if you see somebody, for example, at the gym, that's really, you know, jacked up, you know, they're really lifting a lot of weights. They're there for six hours a day. You have to assume that other aspects of their lives are being are being neglected, right? They're probably not doing too well financially, or maybe they did great financially. And that's the reason they can spend all the time in the gym. You guys get the concept here. So move forward with these ideas. And tomorrow we're going to talk about um, do a complete cleanse of your physical environment. That's point number two. The next point is going to be create a true. Uh, business and life 12 month plan. That's point number three. Point number four is stop lying to yourself. And I gave you very. I'm going to give you very specific things that most people lie to themselves about. For example, you're too old. You're too young. Not well educated. All that type of stuff. Point number five. Stop working on your mindset. I know that seems a little um, blasphemous for some of you, but I'm going to drill down on that. Why? Point number six is your physicality matters. Point number seven is stop believing that you have to feel passionate to be successful. I foreshadowed that. Uh, two seconds ago. Point number eight is understand that everything you want in life on the other side of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do at the highest level. Man, if you listen to our podcast every day, as tens of thousands of you do, how many times do we say that? (laughs) We could just call the podcast that because it is the truth. Point number nine. um, Oh, I'm going to hold out point number nine because I'm really looking forward to that one. I don't want to ruin the point. Uh, Point number 10 is be mindful of your ego. Point number 12 is be very careful what your product is. And I'll talk more about that. Point number 12 is really what's driving most of you, all of you. If you cut through all the things that are fogging up your vision of of where you want to be, if you're looking for a true North Star, point number 12 is really going to cut through all of it and help you feel liberated of some of the things that you've been carrying around on your back that maybe other people wanted you to believe were important to you. Because not it was not because it was in your own best interest, but because it was their best interest that you actually had those thoughts because you were essentially carrying their burden for them. But that's point number 12, and we'll talk about that on a future podcast. So what do you guys think? <laughs> Hopefully you like this. Um, in the meantime, if you guys want to talk to me about joining our EXP family, Julie and I are loving being involved with eXp. It's one of the best business decisions we've ever made. This is the perfect time of year for you to take a hard look uh, at switching brokerages. Text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. And let's have that conversation about eXp. Um, And hopefully, Julie will be back on the show tomorrow so you guys just won't have to listen to me, (laughs) okay? Have a fantastic day. Keep your minds clear. Embrace this wonderful gift that we have that's called our lives. Have a fantastic day.